Welcome, 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 everyone, to episode 35 of Our Baseball Weekly. It's the weekly podcast from the baseball subreddit. This week, Lewis is going to sit down and have another great interview in our line of great interviews, this time with Reds writer for The Athletic, Trent Rosecrans. They talk about a few Reds-related topics, including their surge that second wildcard spot, the resurgence of Joey Votto, and some other things as well. Lastly, as the season draws to a close, we got Deej and Martin here to do a deep dive on both the AL and the NL Cy Young Award races, their favorites, picks, that sort of thing. Of course, though, before we get to that, as usual, my name is Maz, and I'm joined this week by Nime. Hi, Nime. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. You know what? Uh, I was thinking the other day, I really like one thing I love about this show is how we sort of have like a, a rotation of of people to do the intro. And it's sort of like a play by play and color guy. And, yeah. uh, and uh, <laughs> you know, the last three or four times I was here, I was the I was play by play. I was doing the hosting with uh, with Deej and with Martin. Now I get to be color. I like doing color a little bit more here. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you got someone else to take the reins and the other person just goes and boom, boom, boom through the topics. But exactly. Yeah, yeah, last week was my first week back in, in quite a few weeks. I got to hang out with Lewis. Now I get to hang out with you. So my two co-host buddies, two weeks in a row. Exactly. <laughs> well, we're going to cover some of the just the general things that happened in baseball this week that we, uh, you know, just want to touch on real quick. Probably the biggest thing, if you're listening to this on Monday, that a lot of people are going to be talking about, Miguel Cabrera hit his 500th career home run today against the Blue Jays in the sixth inning off of my old friend as a Met fan, Steven Matz. Uh, we talked about it a bit last week about Miguel, uh, you know, maybe hitting 3,000 3, hits this year as well, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what's your immediate takeaway from Miggy getting 500 today? Uh, I think he was a surefire Hall of Famer first ballot guy, and he remains a surefire Hall of Famer first ballot guy. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's cool to see him hit the milestone, the uh, the 500 home runs. You know, I think makes it maybe a little bit even easier for them to be like, okay, now he's he's definitely first ballot instead of just a Hall of Famer when you yeah. hit those milestones. The uh, the the 3,000 hits. I think you mentioned last week as well uh, that uh, that it's unlikely he'll hit that. This year is at twenty nine fifty four. I don't think he's got another forty six hits in him this year. Um, yeah, it's gonna but be I tough. think it's it's pretty much guaranteed that it's going to happen next year, and he's still got another two years guaranteed on that contract. Oh, oh man, yeah, definitely he's going to get there. I think everybody kind of knows that. I mean, unless knock on wood, something happens, you I know, injury wise. Two I... more guaranteed years on that contract. It just seems every <laughs> year that he's got another like five years left. It's incredible. I mean, two vesting options that obviously aren't going to vest, but. Uh... Right. <laughs> yeah. It's just amazing how, how long he's been a tiger and like, he's still got two more seasons left and oof, that's, that was, that's a heck of a contract that, that he signed. I, I always forget about it. And then, yeah, you say something like he's got two seasons left and I go, Oh yeah, you're right. But I mean, you know, he's almost, not even almost, he's guaranteed to go into the Hall of Fame as a Tiger, right? Like five years with the Marlins, yeah. all good years. They were great years. He won a World Series with the Marlins and he hasn't won a World Series with the Tigers mm-hmm. um, and is unlikely to win a World Series with the Tigers. Yeah, uh, I was going to say not yet, but uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I can I mean, even listen, be that optimistic. The 2023 Tigers, the 2020, like they've got the pieces there that they, they could go for a run in the next two years. I don't they think could. it's going to oh, happen, but who knows? Totally. 
wild wilder things have happened to worse teams but yeah, yeah but, he, uh, he's totally like i said he's gotta go in as a tiger i would think two mvps with the yeah. tigers yeah like triple I think, crown yeah triple crown yeah it's almost guaranteed uh that that it's uh, you know it's, it's either tigers or blank cap right and there's no way it's i don't think yeah. there's anyone's gonna be blank cap uh, i think it's oh, almost- yeah, no no fl- no florida marlins hat for mickey in the hall of fame <laughs> i don't think but would be I, I don't know okay love I don't know how Tiger fans feel about him, though, but, like, is he a potential, like, number retirement guy for the Tigers? I mean, I, mean, I, think, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what Tigers do uh, with that. Uh, I know the, the Cardinals, my team, they only retire a number if you go into the Hall of Fame. But, like, I think True. as a first, a first ballot Hall of Fame, like, if he goes first ballot, which I think he is likely to, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine they don't retire his number. Like, yeah. it, it, he has, I mean, he has so many great years of the Tigers. Obviously, he had a steep decline, but, like, those good years were very good years it's like you know we've talked about albert pujols in in the last few episodes and again as a cardinals fan i got to watch albert pujols prime um but like that's a guy who you you look at him now and you're like man it's hard to realize that this guy just like miguel cabrera was at one point the best player in the game like 2011 2010 like the best player 2012 it was probably trout (laughs) <laughs> Cabrera did win the MVP, but front was probably better. But still, like he was one, he was the maybe the second best player in the game in 2012. You know, like he yeah. was he was the guy, and uh, and you know, it's it's great to see him, you know, cross that milestone of 500, and uh, and I'm sure he will hit that 3,000 hit mark uh, yeah. sometime next year. And uh, I think they said it on the broadcast that he's going to be only one of three or four people to have 3,000 hits and 500 home runs, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's like inner circle Hall of Fame sort yeah, of exactly. thing right he, there. He's, so. he's been an incredible player for his career. Yeah, you know, outside of this this decline over the last couple of years, but like. He's he's old, you know. He's, he's yeah, an old he's, power he's hitter. An old guy. Like it, it happens. Got one tool, and uh, I mean, yeah, two tools. He's hit, hitting power, right? It's all he yeah. could do is he could hit, and he could hit for power. And now he uh, he can't hit quite as well, and he also can't hit for power quite as well. <laughs> but uh, but you get to watch him rack up those stats uh, at the end of the career, like like you do with uh, with guys like Pujols and uh, and other guys. So yeah, it, but uh, we... it's, it's it's fun to watch. It's one thing for Tigers fans to watch. You know, they they did hit second place for a little while in the AL Central all that meaningful uh, but uh you know for for 2021 tigers fans I, I i would hope getting to watch miguel cabrera hit some milestones uh would be pretty cool yeah same i gotta in terms of his uh tiger love i we gotta we gotta hit up our production assistant christine or uh ashley mclennan fan of the show maybe i gotta hit her up on twitter and say hey uh tiger fans number retirement statue i i don't know and then go Statues from there i, I feel like number retirement is probably guaranteed statue who knows probably he- yeah statue is probably a tall order for miggy but, MVPs, hey. triple cr- triple crown is pretty big like with well, the first triple crown i'm like how, how many years was it like it was like 60 yeah, years or something like that the like, first AL Triple Crown in, yeah, something like 60 years. Um, but, you know, I think NL had one at one point. But, yeah, big deal. But congratulations like, yeah, to Miggy. Those peak years were really, really good. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a statue. Um, True. You know, again, I don't think anybody's going to hate. <laughs> if, they'd, if they'd won a World Series with him, I think it would probably be a little bit, uh, a little bit closer to happening. But, uh, yeah. Uh, also, uh, totally. it was... It was the uh, there had been pitching triple crowns, but it was the first hitting triple crown 2012 since uh, Carly Ostremski in '67. So uh, all right, so I was probably thinking of the years. pitching triple crown then. Yeah, there there had been pitching triple crowns in the meantime. Yeah. Okay. Well, congratulations so, to Miggy on number 500 and uh, the eventual 3,000 next year, probably. Yeah.
Well, aside from that, we got this upcoming week. There is a big dot. Well, I mean, you asked me a month ago how big this series would be Dodgers Padres. Uh, but the Padres have kind of like free fall the last week or so. They they are now out of the second wild card spot. They're 68 and 58, two and eight in their last 10. And they're currently a game behind the Reds and for that second wild card spot. And they're 13 behind in the division. So that's a little unrealistic, but we're going to talk to Rosecrans later about the dot, about the uh, Reds resurgence and everything. But just real quick, what do you think about the free fall of the Padres and do they get to that second wild card spot or no? Yeah. You know, it's really tough. And, and uh, Rosecrans, you know, I, as the editor of the show, I get to listen to all the stuff before it gets in the in the, in the um, podcast. Give but, us some uh, spoilers, so, I guess. Yeah, so I will say Rosecrans <laughs> does talk a little bit about uh, the fact that the Padres have a really tough schedule coming up, and the mm-hmm. the Reds have a of I think he 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 thinks the easiest schedule in baseball, at really? least one of the easiest schedules. They play a lot of bad teams. They play the Pirates uh, like uh, six times, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so the uh, the and the Padres uh, are playing the Dodgers and Giants a lot in the in the, yeah. uh, the last couple, you know, and they're playing the uh, the Astros as well in here. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's definitely a much tougher road for the Padres than it is for the Reds. And uh, yeah, I mean the Padres, they're they're a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, you I don't know, know anyone's and, debating that. <laughs> yeah, and and you know they they have lost uh, Tatis for for various stretches uh, throughout the season, and that's you know not great because he is probably their best player, probably among the best players in baseball. Yeah. Um. So like it's it's definitely you know it's 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 tough to to say. What I will say is, I mean, like just just in the last week, they dropped two of three to the Phillies and got. Swept by the Rockies, uh, and you mm, like, well. <laughs> and and they dropped three or four to the Diamondbacks. Like that's so, that is quite a free fall. Like that's that is a and just brace yourself here. It's a Mets level free fall. <laughs> 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 I was I was about to say as a Met fan I know all about those not being able to beat up on the teams in your division like yeah. you know not being able to beat up on the Marlins or on the Phillies or in that sort of thing and the next thing you know you're out of playoff contention because you can't beat the teams you need to beat you need right. to beat the the uh the Diamondbacks and the Rockies like every game as, before the as, as a as a Cardinals fan right like uh I I didn't really think the Cardinals were were a threat for the postseason until the the, the Padres started to free fall, and then suddenly it, it looked more feasible. The Cardinals are now four and a half games out of the second wild card, which is not a bad place to be in mid late August. Oh, that's not um, bad, yeah. That, especially because you know, I think they, they do they do have six more against the Reds, who are currently in that second wild card, okay. and and potentially if the Cardinals and Reds beat up on each other, that could be good for the Padres. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but the Cardinals just dropped two of three to the Pirates, and like you can't be dropping two of three to the Pirates when you're trying to go for a second wild card spot. So it's exactly it's, it's one of those those tough situations. Whereas the Reds are are playing quite well. So I, I don't know. I mean, I you like you said, we've been we've sort of been saying all season those those top three uh, NL West teams are pretty much guaranteed playoff spots. We were we were figured the Dodgers would eventually overtake the Giants. I think that's probably in the cards uh, mm-hmm. still. Uh, yeah, maybe but, we'll see. I mean, the the Dodgers did lose to the Mets one game this last, you know, eight games they played. Sure, the Dodgers are two and a half back from the Giants. I mean, we'll see. The the, the Giants have been a very good team. The, yeah. the, the Dodgers might, you know, be okay with just getting that first wild card, but that's 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 a tight race at the top. But the Padres, who we expected since day one to be in that race, mm-hmm. uh, are definitely, I feel like, completely out of. Um, 
divisional contention and yeah. uh and yeah i i don't know i i the, the padres earlier this year had a 98.4 percent chance to make the playoffs and that's pretty astounding that they've they've dropped out of playoff contention at this point at any point yeah like you said everybody was just like oh well dodgers giants padres coming out of the west and then uh right know, yeah the, I mean, the, the, the big shock obviously was that the, the the giants were so good and still a little bit of a shock um but yeah the uh the padres according to fan graphs now have a 26 percent chance of making the playoffs oh man uh, which is like, i'm okay uh, calling that a, a nets worthy collapse because that's <laughs> yeah uh, that's Mets, bad. by the way, down to 5.3, um, oh, which is... Oh, so there's good. There's still a chance there. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not going to yeah. count us out yeah. yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, like I said, we got the interview going coming up uh, a little bit later. So, you know, stu- stay tuned to talk more about the Reds. Um, other than that, we got the Little League World Series going on this week. I, I haven't been watching personally. Sorry, have you? I also have not. Yep. Uh, okay. Apparently, South Dakota threw a no-hitter. That's cool. That's cool. Good for those kids. Gavin Weir, uh, five point five and two thirds innings, fifteen strikeouts out of seventeen total outs, and wow. then the last out was was thrown by his teammate because uh, they have pitch count restrictions in the Little League World Series mm-hmm. to protect the children's arms. They are still kids, of course. Um, and apparently, Weir also threw a per- perfect game and a no hitter in the regional tournament, which got them to the Little League World Series. So. Uh, wonder if that's a name we're going to be hearing in the future. <laughs> so you're telling me that the Tampa Bay Rays already have them already have him on their draft board. Basically. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And he's 12 <laughs> years old in six years. I wouldn't be shocked if he's a first round pick for the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> yeah. Same here. That's, or whatever, that's always... whatever team needs to get that, gets that pick. Yeah. <laughs> it's always fun to, you know, have the little league world series and you never remember like the kids that, you know, four or five, six years later when, whenever they're hitting college and the pros, but like, it's always fun to, to see the footage and stuff from when they were in the little, league world series like cody right. ballinger and uh you know todd, uh, frazier. todd frazier of course that's so yeah maybe we'll see this kid uh gavin weir someday maybe he'll throw a no hitter and get taken out after 5.2 innings uh as a, as a major leaguer who knows we'll see we'll see it'll be cool <laughs> um other than that a couple of other notes that we wanted to hit uh otani uh is just keeps doing otani things he hit number 40 a couple days ago and he's pitching pretty good as well uh, Otani MVP front runner for the AL right now. You think still or, th- or not? I think so. Yeah, I. I mean, I would say so. he might even be the. Uh, yeah, I. I don't know. Like it's it's especially. I mean, he does both, right? Like mm-hmm. nobody does both, <laughs> <laughs> and so like he's such an interesting sort of specimen to to look at. But mm-hmm. he, I mean, he obviously also is leading the the league, both leagues in home runs with forty. So yeah. like, and and he's leading the AL in slugging percentage at 638 so like he he is a very very good hitter and also quite a good pitcher <laughs> yeah. like uh i he, uh, i think i saw he's the second uh the second angels pitcher in the last like six years to throw over 100 innings which is probably more an indictment of the angels than it is uh praise I, I of so, yeah. <laughs> but uh but also i mean that's good that's cool for otani he's got a 279 era like he yeah, is good a good pitcher <laughs> yeah so that- even just putting together like a pretty good season just based on the fact that he does both is, you know, puts him right up there in MVP conversation, especially with he's this good of a hitter, which is just insane that he's got 40 home runs and is leading both leagues in home runs. Yeah. As, as far as, as uh, overall war, I'm looking at baseball reference here. He has 7.9. The next closest is uh, Marcus Semyon with 5.7. 
Oh so my god. I, wouldn't be shocked. Two, almost a two war lead over Marcus Semyon. Now that, that's Oof. his combined pitching and hitting war, right? But he does. Well, I, he, I, yeah. he is a combined pitcher and hitter. His 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 war right. is just a position player's four point one. But he okay. also does pitch every five days, right? Like you can't <laughs> right. just ignore the fact that he does that. So yeah, mm-hmm. it it. I I would be I don't I don't know if I'd be surprised if he doesn't win it, but like I think he's definitely he's definitely the front runner. Yeah. I think I would be surprised after everything that's happened this year, the all-star game and, you know, so much hype that was around him. I think I would be surprised unless Vlad Jr. has like a sick closing out uh, bit of the season here. I think it's Otani's to lose. Yeah. What I'm interested in is he's, he's fifth in war for pitchers. Uh, Robbie Ray leads right now at 5.2, oh, which really? is also weird. Wouldn't have um, kicked that name out of the hat. Yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and Otani uh, has 3.8, uh, and then uh, uh, Cole, Lynn, and Rodone are between uh, Ray and Otani. Uh, mm. I don't know if he deserves to win the Cy Young, but it would mm. be interesting if uh, if potentially they they give him both awards yeah he was on that path for a while because i know he he started the season really good yeah i mean he's been a good pitcher just uh he's been good he hasn't been great which you need to be to win the cy young um but well you know we'll see what uh what dj martin have to say a little bit later on their cy young predictions see we roll it back into each other and you know tease the rest of the podcast there you go um another quick little thing we wanted to hit on here is that the braves just keep winning uh as a met fan it's also so so painful that they keep winning and pushing us further and further back but max freed this week threw a maddox a brave threw a maddox it's pretty great Four hits, four strikeouts, complete game shutout on 90 pitches over the Orioles. Um, I had him on my fantasy team. I know nobody cares about your fantasy team, but congratulations to Max Freed. I'll I'll tell you what, uh, like a week earlier, Adam Wainwright threw an 88 pitch Maddox. So that's right. Mm, mm, against the, uh, I mean, it was, it was against the Pirates, but like whatever. This is hey, against, the Orioles. against the Orioles, right? Yeah, 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 same deal, same deal. Uh, Wainwright also today threw uh, a really good uh, game against the uh, Pirates, which is he mm. also is on my fantasy team. Uh, oh. And I, I like to bring up uh, pretty much every time he comes up is that Adam Wainwright is the only pitcher this year who has not spent any time on the IL for the Cardinals. Like the only really? guy. Is uh, I think he turned forty like yesterday, and he's forty years uh, old. I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if it wasn't yesterday, it's sometime in the oh no, he turns on the thirtieth. In in okay. uh, seven days after this comes out, uh, Adam Wainwright will, will be forty years old, uh, and uh, and he is the only guy on the Cardinals who spent no time on the IL uh, as far as the rotation goes. Well, he uh, might as well be forty, so he's whatever. Yeah, pretty much. It's 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 pretty cool to see what he's doing. But the Braves, yeah, uh, Freddie Freeman also hit for the cycle this week against the Marlins. Right. That's really uh, cool. Which is, yeah, which, I mean, Freddie Freeman is not the traditional sort of cycle type, right? Because, like, you, the, he's not a kind of guy who hits triples, <laughs> right? right? No, he's not really uh, a speedy guy, uh, more so homers and doubles, sure. But, yeah, uh, yeah not, not really a prototypical cycle hitter, but he's hit two of them now, which is great. And somehow the first Brave to hit two cycles as a Brave, which is wild uh, you know along with the fact that they've only had nine cycles in their history yeah which the have been around for so long seems it's low yeah <laughs> the it, patch it on their uh, the patch on their jerseys will tell you 150 years but they've yeah. only had nine cycles and freeman's only the first person to hit two of them so 
props to him. Uh, I guess, I guess if you've only got nine, then the first person to do isn't that going to make sense? Yeah, well, yeah, all right. Well, read, yeah, read the statistics. Is, uh, yeah, yeah. It won't, it won't yeah, be too I mean, shocking, right? Freeman is Freeman is a very, very good player. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's, it's I, I, I would imagine as a Mets fan, it might be tough to like, uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, uh, as, as a general baseball fan, I, I think he's, I he's like really him. easy to like. I, I, I got Freeman, Acuna, and Ozzy Albies kind Albies. of in the same same group as like Chipper Jones, like sure. somebody that it's like, uh, you're so good and you're just going to terrorize us for 15, 20 years. I and say, uh, I can't hate you. And I, again, I know I know uh, Lewis and, and uh, Trent Rosecrans are going to talk about Joey Votto in a bit, but Joey Votto is sort of the same kind of guy in the division, been in the division forever. He's so, so mm. good. But how how can you not like Joey Votto? You know, he's just so he's yeah. great. Now, if it was a cub. It might be a different story, but <laughs> I do hate okay. Anthony Rizzo. Oh uh, well, you don't have to worry about it. I hate him too, but you, you don't. Have, <laughs> we hate him for different reasons, and you don't have to worry about him anymore. So there you go. Yep, yep exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, couple of other things this is like the third or fourth time I've said that, but <laughs> wanted to hit on the Bauer uh, hearing that happened this week. We've we've tried to refrain from talking about Trevor Bauer a lot on this podcast. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of fans of him that work on this podcast, even before all these allegations. Um, but it does bear mentioning that he did have his hearing for his, uh, I believe it was the restraining order hearing this week, which he did win. Uh, they did not, up, I believe they did not uphold his restraining order against the woman that was filing it against him. It's complicated. It's long. It's legal. That sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it does. As, as far- it has, mentioning. No, it has no particular effect right now on the MLB investigation right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has no effect on the criminal charges so far. Right. Uh, he's Be still, clear on I, that. I believe they, they extended his leave another week or two or, or however long they extended it. Yeah, I think they uh, can only do it 10 days at a time or seven days at a time or something like that. So it's just going to yeah, keep. Keep just gonna sort of keep, on, yeah, right. keep uh, keep kicking that can down the road until they until they have uh, something final. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I I same same sort of thing. I you know don't really want to talk about it too much. But I think this is there was a a specific thing that happened. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, we're neither of us is a lawyer, so we don't we don't know right. how this sort of affects further proceedings. But uh, you know, I thought yeah, I'd that, mention that is that is a thing that happened this week. So it felt didn't feel right not to mention it, you know. And yeah. besides, we we don't want to uh, take up too much of your time here because one of the last things that we wanted to talk about was something that's very passionate. Uh, I'm very passionate about and dear to my heart, which is something I could talk a long time about. But I'm gonna gonna try to keep it to a minute or two. But MLB is ending its 70 year relationship with Tops. They announced, which is just heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've never been a big baseball card guy. My brother collected basketball cards when uh, when we were kids, but he's quite a bit older than me. It was it was like it was the mid '90s when he was collecting basketball cards. When everybody um, was collecting cards for everything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so we still have like binders full of like old basketball cards. Mm. But yeah, I mean, tops, tops, and and MLB have been together, like you said, seventy years forever. Yeah, pretty this much. This is the 70th anniversary this year. They're doing a whole yeah. Tops Project 70 celebration. Um, on MLB the show, the 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 cards you get are the tops now series right mm-hmm. like it's all sort of tops based and uh the the news also said that uh that fanatics will be producing the cards uh, um uh, <laughs> i boy. think uh yeah we we both sort of said before recording we're not huge fans of fanatics merchandise i yeah i generally find it to be low quality um mm-hmm. I'm not, i think I'm, i don't think you're alone on that a lot of people do 
I'm a big uh, baseball cap guy. I love caps. I, I have I have over 50 hats. Um, and uh, currently MLB, NBA, and NFL all partner with New Era, but all the NHL caps are I think Adidas and Fanatics. Yeah, definitely uh, Fanatics. I'm not sure about Adidas. Adidas does their on ice caps, I believe. Yeah, and then and like their draft hats and that sort of thing. But then everything else is done by Fanatics. Correct. So my my only NHL cap is a a Blues cap from before the uh, the Fanatics deal when it was still the New Era deal. And then I'll, I have a Stanley Cup Blues cap because I can't I couldn't oh, not well, there you go. Um, you deserve but, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, like it's it, uh, I I I'm not a fan of Fanatics. It is. Yeah. At the end of the day, baseball cards are just pictures on cardboard, and it's kind of hard to screw it up. But I mm-hmm. have seen low-quality baseball cards, and I don't put it past Fanatics to cut corners wherever they can find it. I, well, they haven't. They've cut corners with everything else, you know, yeah. with their with their replica shirts and their replica jerseys and stuff that you get. There's countless quality uh, issues with those. But but I did read the rumor. I don't know if this is a rumor or if it's just wishful thinking is the fact that fanatics might buy tops and then have them just continue to do their thing, you know, just under you work for us now sort of a thing, uh, because apparently fanatics is worth like. 18 billion dollars which i guess makes sense they cover the, all the merchandise for so many leagues and then uh you know tops is apparently only worth like one one and a half or something so i think that would be the best case scenario because I, then they I, like i said it's just cardboard pictures but like hey yeah here's somebody that already does it that we could just buy that's true i i would worry that that would be okay for a few years and then once again fanatics would decide to cut costs and and suddenly be like all right tops use this mm. instead and you know we'll we'll, yeah. we'll see i mean you know hopefully hopefully for all you baseball <clears throat> card collectors out there is not a huge sort of change in quality but i'm probably still gonna buy a box every year even after the move to the fanatics you know if i hate them it's gonna be a shame for that tradition to die because i always open them with my dad and we have a good old time about it but that's just disappointing another move by mlb that just i don't know who likes it you know yeah i i mean it it seems like it's probably just a penny pinching move fanatics uh gave them a, a better contract yep but it's it's just like all right well it doesn't doesn't really help the fans but i i don't know no. i mean yeah i I, I guess the the kind of people like you who are gonna collect baseball cards are the kind of people who aren't gonna stop watching baseball because they can't collect baseball right. cards anymore because the cards suck <laughs> and for the for the average person who is just like maybe gonna buy a pack of baseball cards for their kid, mm-hmm. they don't really care as much, yeah, I they're guess. not worried about me, you know they're worried they're not worried about me because I'm just gonna keep doing it, yeah, <laughs> well, anyway, last thing that we want to talk is about Chris Bassett. This happened last week on Tuesday, so it was literally the day after the podcast comes out. This big, major injury to Chris Bassett happens. Uh, if you haven't seen it, takes a liner right back to the face. It's it, just if you, if terrible. I, by the way, I haven't seen it because every one of my friends who was watching it was like, I, this is hard to watch. And I was like, you know what? It is, I don't it, need to see the footage. I have yeah. read the thing. I've seen people get hit by baseball before. I think I'm okay not watching the Because fo- I think he was spitting blood out. Like, Yeah, it was a little bit of blood coming out on his arm and everything. And yeah, you don't have to watch it. Trust me. Yeah. But two, we did get some facial posit- lacerations, uh, displaced tripod fracture in his right cheek. Mm-hmm. That, that is supposed to require surgery. I was going to say, we did get some positive news. Um, you know, he's 
relatively okay. Uh, you know, his eye is fine. His vision seems to be fine. Uh, he will apparently undergo some surgery to repair those facial fractures. But, hey, it, not bad for taking, you know, a 100-plus mile an hour shot to the the face of the baseball, you know? Yeah, and I, and I was reading a, a, a sort of article about it with Bob Melvin, and he said on Friday that he was in the clubhouse uh, the day before, so he was he was hanging out in the clubhouse until the third or fourth inning or so, so he's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, probably not going to... They say he's almost certainly not going to pitch this year. I would be okay. very surprised if he managed yeah, to pitch this year. it was only a month and a couple weeks left. Yeah, that makes sense. But Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the A's are fighting for a playoff spot and and, uh, and potentially will, will you know, might have a decent run in the playoffs. Mm. It's, it's possible that he comes back for, like, the World Series if they make it that far. Mm. I I would still be a little surprised, uh, but, uh, but he is doing well, sort of walking on his own power, um, you know, hanging out in the clubhouse, talking to people. They I think they said... Uh, you know, he, he didn't obviously didn't look the same way he did on, on yeah. Tuesday morning. Uh, but uh, he, he and he because he also didn't fly with the team back to Oakland. He stayed in Chicago. Uh, you know, it's happened uh, against the White Sox. He stayed in Chicago, you know, to, to see doctors and such. Uh, but uh, but he was mm-hmm. able to, again, fly to Oakland uh, on Thursday and, and see the team. So all I know is that ovation when he comes back is going to be great. doesn't matter Incredible. if it's in the playoffs, yeah. regular season. It's, it's going to be a heck of a moment for sure. Yeah, hopefully, well, they, hopefully they, they fill up O.co for him <laughs> or Oakland yeah, Coliseum now. Fill up the Coliseum to see Chris yeah. Bassett come back. Well, Nime, thanks so much for joining me as usual. Uh, coming around and talking baseball for a little bit. Uh, absolutely, I'm happy to. By the way, apparently it's called Ring Central Coliseum now. Didn't realize that. Oh, gosh, it's not O.co anymore. You're right. It's the Ring Doorbell people. <laughs> well, it, it stopped being O.co in 2016. Oh, And now it's Ring Central then. as of 2019. It's not the Ring Doorbell people. It's a different thing because Ring Doorbell is Amazon. Oh. Oh. Uh, well, oh, my gosh. Another stadium with crazy naming rights. At least it's not Lone <laughs> Depot Park. Or Guaranteed Rate Field. <laughs> guaranteed Rate Fields. Great park. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're getting a little off topic. We're going a little bit long here. So let's get you over to Lewis and the C. Trent Rosecrans with The Athletic to talk about some Reds. Welcome back, everyone. Lewis here, and I am excited to be on with Trent Rosecrans today to talk about the Reds. Trent is the uh, senior writer for the Reds for The Athletic, formerly of the Cincinnati Inquirer and CBS Sports. And uh, we're just excited to have you on here today, Trent. How are you doing this week? Uh, I'm doing fine. Thanks so much for having me, and I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, like last week, we have the one little conniption. We are recording on Friday here before Friday's game. So maybe things have changed over the weekend. I doubt they've changed that much. Um, But if you're listening right away on Monday on release date here, um, that's where we're coming from. So if half the Reds broke their legs in a massive brawl this weekend, sorry, we we don't have anything on that. If that happens, we'll probably just scrap the whole interview anyways, because... What's the point? But uh, but Trent, um, really, the the reason we we kind of picked this week to to focus on the Reds is uh, when we were looking through the schedule, we saw this big Reds Brewer series, and at the time, it looked like it might be a big thing. Um, at this point, do you see that as a actual division race worth paying attention to, or is that something maybe we should focus on the wild card a little more down the stretch here? 
Yeah, I, I would think the wild card's much, much more likely at this point. Um, the, the Brewers are kind of, they have kind of pulled ahead, and that started right at, right out of the gate, out of the um, out of the all-star break when Milwaukee came here and swept the Reds in three games. And it uh, it seemed like since then, the Reds went were playing really well and winning games after that. But every time the Reds won, the Brewers won as well. And um, it's kind of kept up that way. And and the Brewers look like the, the class of not – I don't know. I mean, they, they may even be the class of the National League, but not just the National League Central. Yeah, I, I mean, they've been looking really impressive. Uh, the, the Giants and Dodgers are obviously – they've also been matching each other. I don't know if the Brewers have gained any games in the uh, first place in NL seed race at all. Um, just because they've been playing out of their minds as well. But yeah, I, I, I guess it's from my perspective, I'm focusing on the wild card here. Um, but this is still a good week to focus on the Reds, even though the, the series might not make that much of a dent because um, the Reds are pretty much done playing most of the other wild card contenders. Uh, talking beforehand, you mentioned the Cardinals at six games against them. Um, but I, I had kind of uh written the cardinals off what do you think the reds chances are as they kind of enter a proxy war with the padres and the the braves phillies and mets whoever doesn't win the the nl east over there what what do you see as the reds chances for this wild card race well i mean i i would make it really is the the padres and the cardinals um i don't no, no, I, I, I haven't been too impressed with any of those, the Mets or the Phillies or the Braves. The Braves have kind of come on and they did a really nice job at the um, the deadline. Um, and it looks like they may run away with it, but the, the Phillies are kind of in a tailspin. Uh, the Mets are, um, you may have heard, not hitting. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and the Cardinals, the Cardinals have something similar to the Reds where they play a lot of bad teams down the stretch. Now, I don't know that anybody plays as many games against bad teams as the Reds. Last I looked, they had the easiest remaining schedule and the Padres had the toughest remaining schedule. Yep. You know, the, the Padres have to play a lot of the Dodgers and the Giants. Um, whereas the Reds play nine games against the Pirates. Nine. They that's, still have nine games left That's a lot of games Pirates. against a very bad team. A very bad team that the Reds, I believe, this year are. They've played ten times and they're nine and one against them. So they're due for regression, is what you're saying. Is that... <laughs> That's one way to look at it, or that another way is that the Pirates aren't real good. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, the Reds have done really well in their division. Um, they're 500 against the, the Brewers. They're 10 and six against the Cubs, um, eight and five against the Cardinals, and nine and one against the Pirates. So um, they play a lot of the National League Central down the stretch. Um, they also have, you know, uh, we're speaking on on Friday, and this comes out on Monday. So they still have uh, three in Miami, um, three against Detroit. Um, you know, <laughs> they they also get the the nationals for four at home. Um, they've got a lot of, uh, winnable games. And that is one of the things that, uh, this team has actually been looking at for, for a while. They knew their second half schedule was, was favorable. Oh, wait. Yeah. I, I guess I hadn't really, uh, put together just how many 
bottom basement dwellers they they were facing. And uh, I, I was just looking, you mentioned the Marlins coming up here. Um, I just realized the Marlins for a while were this anomaly with the really good run differential. Um, in a twist, their run differential has regressed to their record and not the other way around. They're in the negatives again now. So with that said, what do you think? You mentioned the Padres have that hardest schedule. Uh, Is that mean, do you think the Cardinals are the team that the Reds need to worry about? Or is it still the Padres in your mind? That's the biggest hurdle for the Reds. Um, I would say it's still the Padres just because they are ahead and they are a good team. Um, but you can't sleep on the, the, the Cardinals, especially with, you know, six games against St. Louis here in the next two, two and a half, or I guess three weeks. Um, you know, that, that could change things really quickly if, if you um, don't take care of business against the Cardinals or at least split. Okay. Um, so what do you think moving forward down the stretch? Uh, they got to take care of business is there anyone on the team that really needs to pick it up or is there anyone that you're a little worried that they've been kind of playing out of their mind uh, and due to regress here? What, what do the Reds players need to do to make sure that they, uh, you know, stay ahead of the race here and, and finish strong? You know, they need to get something out of third base. Um, It's been, it's been pretty bleak. Um, between Eugenio and Suarez and, and Mike Moustakas, two big names who are not putting up big numbers. Um, you know, the hope was, you know, Suarez has been struggling and the hope when, when Moustakas came back, they could play him a little bit more, but he hasn't been any better than, than Suarez to this point. Um, so that's a big concern. Also just kind of, uh, you know, Sonny Gray, can he get back to, to where you expect Sonny to be? But otherwise, you know, they, they feel pretty good about, the rotation when you go Miley Castillo, uh, Tyler Malley's had a couple of, of, of rough starts of late. Um, but I don't know. There's huge concern. And, and Vladimir Gutierrez has, has really been a, a surprise for them this year uh, and the rotation, the rookie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you would like to really see the third, get more out of third base and, and maybe Sonny Gray get back closer to what you expect out of Sonny Gray. Those would be the big things. And then the bullpen's been terrible. Um, If it can be not a nightmare, that's a pretty good improvement. Not a nightmare uh, can be a high bar for a bullpen to to reach, as (laughs) Phillies fans know. Um, I want to go back. You mentioned Wade Miley. He has been pitching out of his mind. Um, Elsewhere on this episode, we're we're looking at the Cy Young races uh, and – I don't, I don't know exactly where you would put him in that discussion. I, I'm not sure if uh, Deej or Martin are going to to bring him up. But um, what did Miley change this year to even get him into the point where I'm mentioning him when we're talking about Cy Youngs and talking about his resurgence here? Well, I, I, it starts with being healthy. You know, he's healthy, and that's <laughs> that's the first part of it. You know, he wasn't really last year. He struggled all last year. And, um, you know, he's just a guy who he's, he's a really good pitcher. It's consistent. Um, you know, the things that his teammates and writers both really appreciate us how quickly he works. Um, it, um, so, uh, you know, he's just been really good. Um, you know, he's got a cutter. Most people know he's going to throw a cutter. Um, 
and, and it's going to be all right. Cool. So on the other side of the ball, one of our slash baseball's darlings is Mr. Joey Votto. And he has been putting on a power clinic as of late. He slowed down a little bit, but that's just because he was on such a ridiculous pace uh, the, the past few weeks here. Lots of home runs. Um, is there any, it, it, what is, what's changed with him since the, the beginning of the season? It, it kind of felt like he was out to a slow start and suddenly um, you've got people talking about maybe in an MVP discussion at yeah. some point, what's, what's going on with Joey? You know, he's just, <laughs> it's funny. He's kind of joked, but it's, it, it, it's, it's, there's a bit of truth to it. He's talked about just that, you know, he is, decided to hit home runs <laughs> he wanted to hit home runs so he's hitting home runs which is a it's a it's it's the most joey Votto thing ever but this does go back to last year um and he started on this kind of change um last season when he decided that you know he could no longer be he was he could no longer chase what what he called perfection which was his his uh 2017 season which was just a phenomenal year all the way around. I mean, oh, yeah. it's, it, it, it was, you know, he finished second to um, Giancarlo Stanton barely in the MVP voting. Um, I, I voted for him number one that year and Stanton number two. And I understand um, the people who did it the other way around too. I mean, it was, it was one of those, but you know, that was, <laughs> that was just a, a monster season um, where he, he decided he wasn't going to strike out and, you know, he hit 36 home runs and only had 83 strikeouts. He had 134 walks and 83 strikeouts that year. It, it was just, you know, it wasn't just, you know, I, I, there's so often now where you're like, wow, more walks and strikeouts. That's huge. Yeah. Um, he, he had a lot more walks and strikeouts uh, that year. Um, and he was phenomenal, but he was a different hitter then. He could pick and choose everything. And, and for him, it was the perfect balance of, power and plate discipline and everything and said you know he kind of looked at it where he couldn't do that anymore it wasn't in his skill set so for him and this goes back to last year he just decided like hey you know what i'm i'm gonna strike out more and you know this year he's got 95 already so he's got 12 more strikeouts in in 93 games this year than he did in all of 2017 when he started 162 games um so you know this is a little different he just said you know what to, to be a productive player i'm gonna have to strike out and i'm gonna have to be okay with that so you saw him if if all you have to do is it, it it doesn't take a trained eye it doesn't take <laughs> a batting coach or anything to look at joey Votto, you know from 2000 say 15 to, to really halfway through 2020, you see a guy who's choked up. I mean, sometimes it's so much. So, I mean, sometimes oh, yeah. he halfway you know, up the bat, halfway yeah. up the bat. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, it, it would look like Honus Wagner at times. Um, and then uh, crouched over um, Pete Rose style, you know, and just like this, this, this small thing. And he was able to control the strike zone, foul off anything he wanted to, um, not worry about it. And he still had a short compact um, swing um, and, and could could generate power with it. 
Well, he wasn't able to do that anymore. So he said, okay, I'm going to stand upright. And it looks more like, you know, I did a story the other day about his first hit, which was a, which was a home run in 2007. Um, I'm so old. I was at that game. Um, but he, he looks more like that guy who is saying, okay, yeah, I'll strike out some, but I'm going to, I'm going to do damage. And that's what he's been doing. Yeah. And I know that's something a lot of uh, players as they age, they kind of make that transition. They decide to start selling out for power. Um, I know one we mentioned last week, a very sad, you mentioned more walks than strikeouts. Mr. Albert Pujols no longer has more, more walks than strikeouts. Um, but that isn't, I don't, I don't think that's uh, has anything to do with him deciding to, to strike out more for more power. I think he's just not, not as good compared to Votto. Um, with, with and, that. and that's the thing is Joey, <laughs> Joey's going to be 38 next month. It's, it's mind boggling what he is doing at this age. Um, but, but that's Joey Votto. Like I, I say this all the time. You can tell me anything about Joey Votto and I would believe it. It's just, you know, I, I've, I've been talking to Joey Votto since 2005, 2006, maybe 2006. I think it was six. Um, what year was the all-star game in Pittsburgh? That's where I, I just, that always streaks out because that is the one that I remember. Um, that was 2006. So since 2006, I've been talking to Joey Votto and he constantly surprises me um, because you just never know. He can, he can do anything. Uh, and I would believe it because he's just, he's just that different than anybody else. So, I uh, I mean, obviously he's been a very good player. Is, is he a hall of famer in your book? Is that yeah. no yeah. doubt? No doubt. Okay. Uh, no doubt. I, 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 I thought, you know, I had been saying for years that I think he gets in. The question is how long it takes now. No, I don't believe in that. There's a difference between a first ballot hall of famer and another hall of famer. I know that there is one that, that people will make it up. And it is true that some guys get on in the first ballot. Um, I would never vote that way. Um, but, but he is it, it, now the question is, is he a first ballot hall of famer? And I think he may be um, this, this season really clinched it that um what he is able to do now um and this year is is really solidified um that that he's gonna be in the hall of fame and it's not gonna take that long for him to get in okay so looking at uh some of the the younger players here on the reds roster um I, although you know there's not really that many younger younger players right most of these guys oh. are in their their mid 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 to upper upper 20s here um india has obviously been just phenomenal uh this year and, and tyler stevenson don't don't forget tyler oh, yeah. stevenson as well um he has been just he's been really good um as a as a catcher a young catcher it was and and we all know that high school catchers sometimes take a little bit longer but he is a first round pick He's 24 and he is, he's been so impressive because you look at him and you think here's going to be this guy who is just a big slugger because he's a big dude, but, but he is such a mature approach um, to, to hitting. Um, he's come up big so many times for this team in the ninth inning and 
it's it's been interesting to watch him in those situations. He he keeps getting like opposite field hits because he's just taking what he's what he's given. Um, he, he's been good, but but yeah, when you when you bring up India, India when they moved India into the leadoff spot, everything just clicked, and he has been really the catalyst and what this team does they kind of follow follow india and um and at the top of the order he is just he just is kind of embraced that i'm gonna get on base and has been so good um you know he's a 485 on base percentage in the first inning as the leadoff guy that's insane really it, and and that's is. just kind of gone down. I mean, it's been about 500 the whole time. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been, it's been really impressive to watch him um, with that, you know, in the, in the, in the leadoff spot in 66 games batting in the leadoff spot, he's hitting 295, 411, 512 with 12 homers. Um, he's, he's been so good. Um, just so good. It's, it's been really, really impressive to watch. Now, the Reds did get some bad news uh, this week. Jesse Winker um, going to be out longer than initially expected. Um, mm-hmm. it, you could argue he's been the best hitter on the team. There, he's got some competition, obviously, um, but he, he's, he's been very, very uh, good for the Reds. Um, what What's Cincinnati going to do to kind of fill that, that slot in the outfield? And... Um, do they think he's going to be back in time to really make that final playoff push and get in? Yeah. I mean, the hope is, is in September, early September, he could be back. Um, but, but for now, I mean, that's, that is probably a lot more of Aristides Aquino playing. Um, you know, Tyler Naquin has been surprised for this team. He's been very good for them. Um, and he'll be in center field. You still have Nick Castellanos, who's, who's kind of, since he's come back from that, um, that was it? It was a fracture in his wrist. Um, he's been not quite the same as he had been before, um, but you hope that he gets going. And, and you know, if you have Naquin and Castellanos, and then I guess it's it's Aquino. There's they'll you know Shogo Akiyama will get some playing time in there as well. He has not played well. Um, yeah, he he's not not uh, a a lower slugging percentage than OBP is not what you want out of a, a out of an outfielder. Yeah. Especially, not out of anyone, OBP, but... <laughs> especially when that on base percentage is less than 300. Yes. Um, but he's a guy that, that probably needs, you know, he, he's a guy that's a rhythm hitter and he has not been able to get in a rhythm. Um, and, but for good reason, because he hasn't produced when he's been in there. So you can't keep throwing him out there. Uh, but, but for the most part, the offense, you know, you look at, they've gotten some really good production out of both catchers, uh, Barnhart and, and Stevenson, um, Votto, India, Kyle Farmer over the last month or so has been really good, you know, and then the other guys, Jose Barrero, who just got called up, uh, the shortstop who, who was up last year and, um, struggled, but he, he, he had never played above high a before last year. This year, he's dominated double A AA and triple A. And so um, defensively, you could see him there. You could see him at third base. You know, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if you saw him in center field a little bit. Um, he's a dynamic young player 
who needs to see if the adjustments he's made in the minor leagues play in the big leagues. All right. So jumping uh, ahead, uh, assuming the Reds make it, they, they get to the playoffs and they're in that wild card game. You mentioned the bullpen has been just atrocious. Um, assuming that they don't need to use Wade Miley that last weekend to get to the playoffs and they, they've got him starting. Could you see them using another starting pitcher in relief to, to close out a game if they've got uh, a chance there? The, the hope is that TJ Antone's back and that Antone would be the guy closing out. But you could, I could see a Vladimir Gutierrez coming in late. Um, and I, I think of all things being equal, if they can set up with that, they have an off day on the 30th. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, they let's see, they have 27th, they have an off day, two against the White Sox, uh, another off day, and then three against Pittsburgh. If, if things are set up where they can kind of pick and choose what they do, I think Luis Castillo is their guy in that. Oh, that. okay. Um, you know, Castillo is still the guy that's gonna, that, that they believe in the most. You know, he's the guy with the stuff. Who, who's, you know, he hit 101 the other day, you know, he's <laughs> consistently 98 and it moves, you know, we were talking to Jonathan India after the game last night, after Castillo start, and he just says, I don't know how anybody hits him. And, um, and it's true. Like you, you watch Luis Castillo and you don't know how anybody hits him. Um, but yeah, I, I could see them, you know, in a, in, in a playoff on a wild card game, everything's on the table, everything. Um, I guess the the last thing I'm just wondering here, is there any other uh, bits of final thoughts you have on that NL wildcard race in general, what you think uh, the keys made for the Padres Cardinals, or if there's any way you see someone from the NL East coming, coming back and making some noise here? I mean, I, I haven't gotten a read on the NL East all year, so I don't think <laughs> so, I don't think anyone has gotten a right. good good read on them. <laughs> um, so that that's kind of tough. Um, but you know, the Cardinals, they still they still have a chance. I really think they do, especially with six against against the Reds. They could make up some some ground pretty quickly. Um, but but when you look at it, a, a the biggest thing is is that schedule for the Reds. They need to beat the teams they should beat, and they just dropped a series to the Cubs at home. That doesn't help. You need to win the rest of your series against, you know, the Marlins, the Tigers, the Cubs, uh, the Pirates, um, and the Nationals. That's that's the key. And if you can sweep some of those, that's going to be really really good. Um, and, and so I, the key is really to, to play up to, um, to play better than the competition, um, especially when the competition is impacted. Well, Trent, thank you so much for, for stopping by and chatting with me today. Um, where can people find you? Are they on, uh, at the athletic, obviously, um, what's yeah. your Twitter, Twitter and any other, you know, socials that, uh, people might want to follow you on here. I see Trent on Twitter. Um, so yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll do, um, at the athletic, you know, we always, uh, appreciate our subscribers at the athletic. Um, we've got some great stuff and so many Joey Votto pieces. Um, I know everybody, uh, if you haven't read the Joey Mappo story, you really should. Um, it was one of a kind, you know, that's the funny thing is like, you know, the, the, the Joey still bangs thing 
Of like, course. I remember getting that quote and I'm like, oh yeah, that's going to be a really good kicker for the story. I had no idea two years later it would still be this huge thing. Um, but I, I still remember that that moment. We were in Los Angeles and um, I'd waited out Joey because that was when he'd popped up to, to first base or was it third base, whatever, for the first time in his career. And he went into the um, batting cage and took batting practice by himself for like an hour. The bus left because it was the last game of the series in Los Angeles. And then they were going to play in um, San Diego and the bus left. And he, he has a home in the Los Angeles area going with the team to San Diego on the bus. So he just stayed there and hit for an hour. And then he was like, oh, were you waiting on me? Like, yeah. It's like, okay. And we <laughs> talked. And like Jesse Winker thought he was going to miss the bus. And that's when he was like, hey, Jesse, I still bang? Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's so funny that that has kind of had the legs that it did. But it's uh, it's been fun. Yeah. Well, thank you once again for, for coming on. And uh, I'm pulling for the Reds in the wild card race to an extent. My hope would be the Dodgers fall off a cliff. Um, sorry, Dodger listeners. I know we, we've got you on quite a bit, uh, but uh, Padres Reds would be my preferred wild card uh, game right now. But uh, thanks so much. And uh, hopefully Joey still bangs the rest of the way through the season and uh, we get to, to get some more Mountie uniform moments out of him in the future as well. So thank you so much, Trent. Uh, for those of you listening uh, stick around. We will be back with the Cy Young Homestretch preview with DJ and Martin in just a few seconds. So stick around for that. All right. Welcome back. Uh, I am Martin, joined by Deej. Hey, everybody. And we are going to discuss the still developing, still very much up for grabs, the Cy Young race in both leagues, because there's a lot going on in both that could be, there's still a lot of season left in those respective races that we can figure out. But I guess, do you want to start with the National League? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So yeah, bo- both leagues are pretty interesting races, no one clear cut like, this guy is definitely, definitely going to win unanimously, but I think each league maybe kind of has, like, one guy that I think most people agree on. And then there's also kind of a lot of guys that looked like they were going to have a shot and then they got injured, so. Right. Uh, okay, so, yeah, let's start with the NL. Um, who's uh, who's kind of in your top five? Right. My top five, and this is, con- and this is, it was not as easy as I thought it would be because when I was looking at it, well, I'll give you what my top five would be right now. It would be Zach Wheeler, one, mm-hmm. Corbin Burns, two, yeah. Walker Bueller, three, mm-hmm. Jacob deGrom, fourth, and mm-hmm. Kevin Gossman, fifth. Okay. But as you mentioned with injuries, depending on if deGrom's out for the rest of the season, I think he might end up not being in fifth, not even being in fifth place, depending on how many more innings... Gossman and someone like Brandon Woodruff pitch because DeGrom is his 92 innings were the best baseball anyone's pitched but how much value do you give it when say Gossman or Woodruff is going to end up pitching 170 innings yeah it's a tough call um 
But I mean, you know, you'll you'll throw a reliever who, who pitched sixty innings of out if he has a low ERA and uh, you know, a lot of saves, you know, in, in most years, I would get a guy like a, a down ballot vote. Yeah. My guess is DeGrom, like 108 ERA, uh, 92 innings just kind of was like unbelievably good, except only pitched half a season. Um, I think you'll see DeGrom get votes from most guys, but hard to give him a, a, a number one vote at all, just because of his right. injury. I'm guessing he'll end up in like fifth or sixth place when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. But I guess- I can see him getting uh, like a vote from like way over 20 out of the, are there 30 voters in each league now? I believe so. Yeah. 20 something votes for sure. If not 30. And so like going down the top five, Wheeler has the lead in innings by a lot. He's got a lead in strikeouts and because he's pitched more innings than anyone by a pretty wide margin. He's at 168.2 innings. Mm. He's got the lead in F war, fan graphs war. Mm. He is second in baseball reference war to Wade Miley. Somehow. Miley. Wow. So Miley has a 2.84 ERA, a three point, a three, five, eight FIP, a five, eight, Baseball reference war and a 2.8 fan gross war. So he's oh, like, Miley. I guess baseball reference just really doesn't like the Reds team defense and stadium. And it's giving him a boost like they did with Aaron Nola a couple of years ago. But yeah, that would be a really funny one just because there's no other realm in which this would make sense. Yeah. So uh, without doing any research, uh, the Reds defense uh, let's just say they had Eugenio Suarez playing short right. for an alarmingly high number of innings. So yeah, just, just that alone just makes you think the rest of the, the defense must be in pretty rough shape. Yeah. Miley's, uh, you know, he's uh, a baseball reference goes by runs allowed and fan goes by the, the FIP stats and Miley's ERA is way lower than his FIP about, about 0.6, which is a pretty big margin. And Miley, uh, he's not a Cy Young good pitcher. He just isn't. He never has been. He's he's 33, 34 years old. Uh, he's he's shown his hand as like the kind of guy you could stick at number five and, you know, get like uh, a, a solid season out of. But nobody's he's never been anybody's idea of a Cy Young winner. And I think guys who come out of nowhere to have a great season, even if they're actually having a great season, I think they get a ding. So even if Miley did have a legit Cy Young good season, people would be like, but that's Wade Miley. So uh, does that play any any role, do you think? I don't know if it would as much in this day and age because of like how much more attention we pay to the numbers. But like I mentioned his strikeouts, he's at like seven per nine, 104 strikeouts and 133 innings. Mm -hmm. His whip, Every other pitcher on the on my list has a whip of like exactly one or below. He's at one point two. Yeah. So it's like everything screams regression. He's getting good results, but he probably isn't actually pitching that well. Yeah. Or he's he's pitching like he did pitch a no hitter, which is kind of amazing. But uh, I I seem to have repressed that. I forgot about that until I was looking that up. But yeah, yeah, he did. The other pitcher that I think right now would be getting first place votes or the other like favorite is probably Corbin Burns. Yeah. Who's having 
an otherworldly year better than Wheeler in like rate stats and run prevention, but he missed a bit of time with injury, so he's at about 40 fewer innings. But he's got a 2-1-3 ERA, a 1-8-1 FIP, which is incredible. 175 strikeouts in 127 innings, and there was that stretch earlier in the year where he went like 50 or 60 strikeouts without walking anybody. Yeah, that uh, strikeout-to-walk ratio is 7.6. That's insanely high. And um, and how often do you see a guy with a 2.13 ERA and a FIP well below his ERA? Yeah, like he's, I've never seen that. He's underachieving at a 2.13 ERA. Like most of the time you see an ERA that low, it's just kind of like, like a luck if you compare it to the FIP, but he's actually been unlucky. And if you believe FIP, he's due to be even better somehow. So yeah, that's, but um, now I know Corbin Burns, and I think that Corbin Burns doesn't have like Wade Miley itis or whatever, because he's a younger guy, but he was kind of, uh, he's, he's kind of come out of nowhere to be this good too. So uh, uh, sometimes like young guys who weren't necessarily super hype rookies might uh, kind of come out of nowhere. Like I think uh, guys like David Cohn and Oral Hershiser, when they were very young, they they had like insanely good years. And the Cy Young voters were like, uh, what, what, no, who's this guy? And like <laughs> they, they, they probably would have won if they were a little older. But I think they just kind of were like, I, I don't know. So, they, so Cy voters are weird. And I think they kind of like ding you for being too young or for being too old and not having been good. So I think there's there's more to how you're going to finish in the Cy voting than just the numbers. Although yeah, it, Burns – I remember Burns, he was awful in 2019. Like, that was his first full season. He was completely terrible. Last year, He in the short season, he was great. I think he finished, like, one out short of qualifying, like 59.2 innings. Yeah. But I think he did get Cy Young votes, down-ballot votes last year. Mm-hmm. But if he stays healthy, I think it's going to end up being between him and Wheeler for the top spot. Yeah, uh, it's pretty much like there's to lose. I uh, and and hey, uh, don't sleep on Scherzer. He's uh, he's got a two sixty nine ERA. Uh, he's like you know he's up there in strikeouts. I think he's fourth. Uh, he was traded, but within the NL, so he's very much in play yeah, for Cy Young. Be, that would be very interesting. And eyeballing the Dodgers as well, depending on how Trey Turner does, they could. There's a slim if not major chance at like two traded MVPs. Which has never be happened before, right? No, no, Cy yeah, I don't or, know. Uh, no Cy or MVP has ever been traded except for Rick Sutcliffe, I believe was traded AL to NL in 1984 ish. Right. But he had, I remember, but he won purely for his NL performance. And yeah, he's traded I think he traded early went, like year. 16 and one for the Cubs and won it mm-hmm. over Doc Gooden. Yeah, and, and back then they looked at sixteen and one and they were done. Like, yeah, sixteen and one. Of course. Yeah. Like that, that was that was the war of back then. So no <laughs> no brainer, you know, at the time. Um but yeah, NL's uh looking pretty interesting. Uh, any any relievers stand out to you as uh maybe getting, you know, some down ballot votes? I think there's enough strong starters that like no reliever is like likely to win, but who are some relievers that you think are uh you know gonna win like the what is it, the Hoffman Award now? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, I'm not totally sure. I think Melanson, Mark Melanson, might get... He's the saves leader at the moment. Mm-hmm. 
but he doesn't have like huge strikeout numbers. He's a contact guy. I guess Kenley Jansen's always been good, but there isn't like an overwhelmingly great reliever this year with Kimbrel now traded to the to the American League halfway through the season. Yeah, I mean uh, Josh Hader's, you know, continuing his, you know, Josh Hader things. He's got a 166 ERA and like a crazy strikeout. I genuinely did not know that until just until I just opened his page. Yeah, Hader's good. For some he's, reason he's... I forgot about him. Yeah. Um and then uh, Kimbrel had a 0.49 ERA, but then he was traded to the AL, so he has no hope. Only 36 innings in the NL, but uh, uh, if he had been able to keep it up in the NL, I think he uh, he he definitely would have won the uh, you know the, the NL reliever award, the the Hoffman award. But I don't think uh, yeah, he's not he's not he's not really penetrating any of these starters. I think there's too many like good starters that there's no like a reliever could win this year situation. Right. So what would you think about the American League list then? Um, Yeah, the AL, I think, is a little more up in the air. There's no, like, Wheeler or Burns that you're like, yes, this guy is definitely getting it. And then in the AL, there's, like, a few guys that were having phenomenal seasons, and then they they got hurt and kind of dropped out. Um, So uh, my top five right now, uh, I'll go five to one. So number five, got Carlos Rodon. Uh, uh, he's got a, a 230, 238 ERA. Uh, his main ding is he's only throwing 109 innings. So, uh, I think like Cy winners, you kind of want, you want to see a lot more innings unless they have like a sub two ERA. Um, so I got Rodon at fifth and then I got Shohei at fourth. Um, he's, uh, you know, a win loss record is dumb, but he's eight and one. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's only thrown a hundred innings and his one loss was that, that unbelievably weird, or wait, wait was it that? Did he get let off the hook that weird Yankee game where he like walked like six guys in the first inning? Yeah, get... he got off the hook. They okay. tied that game with the uh, off Chapman. Uh, okay, that's right. He blew his he... one loss May twenty eighth against the A's. Six innings, three runs. Yeah, uh, lost in a quality start. Um, what was that the Chapman game where Chapman blew a lead so large it didn't qualify as yeah, a blown the, save? Uh, Jared Walsh Grand Slam. That's right. I love that. Um, okay, so yeah, Shohei, obviously a very, very good pitcher, but he just doesn't like throw as many innings as the other guys, and he's got a 279 ERA. Definitely anything under three in the AL is, is pretty good, and I'll get you a lot of notice, but he just he isn't quite Cy Young material yet. I mean, there's still the rest of the season. I could totally see him having an unbelievable you know, like September and, and winning it's, it's, it's still very much up in the air. Um, okay. Number three, I got uh, Garrett Cole. Uh, the main thing with Cole is he is conspicuously pitching worse since they did the spider tack, uh, uh, right. crackdown. Um, he's still good, but he's not like, he's not like holy crap good anymore. And I think voters enough voters will notice and ding him for that, that like, I don't see him winning. Right, he's like merely very good instead of yeah. super ace. Yeah, kind of like Barry Bonds on steroids. It's like he was he was very good to begin with. Like, uh, why why'd you got to go and use spider tack? You know, you didn't even need it. The, the spider tack was in your heart all along. <laughs> um. All right. So Cole, I got Cole. All right, number one and two. I, I you could go either way between these guys. I got Robbie Ray at number two. Uh, again, he's having a phenomenal year. He actually leads the AL in, in baseball reference war. 
Um, but there's just a little bit of a, what, Robbie Ray, Cy Young? Robbie Ray's just kind of been around for a while, and he's just just been mediocre. He's kind of like Wade Miley. You're like, he's better than Wade Miley, but like... It, he just in the, decided to stop walking guys this year. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a little bit of a, is this guy for real? Like, really? Um, but uh, he, he'd be a very good choice. Um, uh, the main thing is his his FIP is 385 and his ERA is 288. So like uh, you can like like you, you'd put money on him regressing upward from here. Um, all right, then uh, the winner to me, Lance Lynn. I, I think he's the guy. Um, he just uh, 226 ERA leads by about 0. 0.5. Um, I, I think it's his to lose. He's just kind of like this like rock solid, reliable ace type. Uh, and he's always, yeah, he looks the part. Yeah. Um, I think he embodies the spirit of Cy Young in a way that the others just don't quite. Um, uh, but again, he's, you know, his, his FIP is also over three. So he's, he's also overperforming by about a run. Uh, uh, the FIP leader, I think is, is Garrett Cole, but you know, you might want to see him or you might expect him to regress. Um, and then uh, a sleeper pick that a lot of people aren't noticing is, uh, Jose Barrios. He's having a surprisingly good year. He's, uh, um, he was switched from one team to another. So he kind of like, like, like slips through the cracks, but he's, he's up there in a lot of the stats. I think he was like second or third in innings pitched and, uh, um, he might kind of, if he can have a strong uh, end of the year, he could kind of sneak across the finish line. Um, and then uh, there's three guys that I wanted to talk about that I thought were just like on pace to win the side, and then they got hurt. So number one is my guy Shane Bieber. He was having he won last year. Right. He was having uh, an amazing year, and then he just uh, got some sort of uh, some weird injury, like a shoulder impingement or something, and he's been out. And you know he's kind of like Degrom. They got hurt around the same time, and like maybe they'll come back in September, but like. You know, if they don't make the playoffs, why risk it? Uh, DeGrom's obviously having a better year, like an unbelievably better year, whereas Bieber's just kind of, you know, more of the same. But uh, Right. Um, and then, uh, of course, Tyler Glass now is also just like, he, he was acing it up all year, and then he just it blew his arm out and had to get Tommy John. So, yeah, it, it's, it, it, it sucks that he got injured. Um and then uh, Chris Bassett, who was yes, I, I think Bassett was maybe I, I, uh, he leads the AL in innings pitched. Um, he he was twelve and four for what it's worth. I think I think one loss record. Obviously, I don't personally look at it ever unless like I'm kind of curious about something just for statistical purposes. But I think if you have like a gaudy one loss record, that'll kind of that'll get you a little little extra juice it from the voters. Right. It might tilt yeah. the scales just that little bit extra. But yeah. He was having a good a good year in pretty much every aspect and then total fluke accident he got hit by a line drive. And hopefully I'd love to see him come back and maybe do a final push for the side. Not really sure how, how injured he is. Uh, hopefully it's, hopefully he'll at least be able to play some this year. That would definitely be nice. But, uh, but yeah, it's hard to see him taking that hit and uh, finishing, you know, coming back and not missing a start or anything. And, and one of the things with, with Cy Young votes is like, you snooze, you lose like, like, a, like, like a, an IL stint, much longer than two weeks or so. And you just, you just miss too many innings. Uh, it's, it's very rare for a guy to, you know, not make 30 starts and win the side. Like you, you pretty much have to not get injured or you're like, or it's tough to win. 
Yeah, I think 2014 Kershaw is like one of the only pitchers to miss significant time and still win because he still ended up pitching 198 innings Yeah, in 27 starts. Yeah, he's the guy that kind of comes to mind. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, uh, I don't know if any relievers really have a, a shot. I think Liam Hendricks is kind of the the guy that's like kind of on everybody's radar. He's kind of the, you know, he's like likable and he uh, he's got a lot of saves, but uh, his ERA is like over three. I think for a for a, a reliever to win, don't even like look at anybody with an ERA over two, right? Like I think it's got to be got to like one point yeah. something or below. Um, and uh, it's weird, like uh, as as the game shifts toward relievers making a lot of money and being used in new and interesting ways, you'd think there'd kind of be more like Cy Young attention to them, and it's not really happening. Um, I don't know. Do, do you think in in coming years, like the the there will be a shift toward relievers, or do you think it's just a phase, or, or what do you think? I don't know. This year there hasn't been like a super reliever other than Kimbrel, like. A couple of years ago, we had like Chris Davinsky, Andrew Miller, Dylan Batances types who would yeah. throw 80 innings in a year, multi-inning saves, multi-inning outings, getting Cy Young not or getting Cy Young recognition, at least down ballot, mm-hmm. or like, uh, who was it? Trinan, Blake Trinan a couple of years ago, yeah, where he was like only half halfway the closer or Josh Hader, but... This year, I feel like pitchers or teams are being more careful with their, like, multi-inning relievers, so there isn't one of those guys as much this year. Yeah, I think, uh, like, in the AL, like, uh, just looking at, you know, potential relievers, uh, like, Kendall Graven's got an 088 ERA, but, like... There's a little bit of a, what? Who's, like, Graveman? Wasn't he, like, the, did he make a couple starts for the A's a couple years ago, then disappear? So, like, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't see him getting much, if any, side attention. Uh, then there's guys like Lou Trevino, Ryan Presley, and, like, Emmanuel Classe. Like, you know, they just don't have any star power. I don't, I don't see them realistically. I think Liam Hendricks is kind of the one guy that I would expect to get some sigh attention but like his era is over three but he's got he's got the crazy uh strikeout to walk ratio it's like 15 or something he's like uh he's like walked six guys all year and he's got like a one he's like striking out like like 15 dudes an inning or something like that so he's he's definitely uh got some eye-popping peripherals but uh yeah there's no guy that really jumps out as like a reliever likely to steal side votes and like the only reliever that I remember watching him and be like, this dude deserves the Cy Young. I can think of two guys in my lifetime. Uh, one, 2003 Eric Gagne. Like, he just yes, took I the, remember. Yeah, he took the game by storm, and there just wasn't really anybody, and he started that year that, like, stood out. I feel like all year, like, I think he didn't blow a save all year. His ERA was, like, 1.1 1. 1 and, like, just uh, when he won, even, like, the hardest, like, I would never vote for a reliever for Psy guys were like, yeah, he earned it. Like, that was his year. Yeah, Gagne, um, I just pulled it up. Gagne, 1.20 ERA, uh, 55 saves. I don't think he blew a single save that year. Um, and Second place a- was Jason Schmidt on the Giants, and third place was Mark Pryor right before <laughs> his career ended. But Yeah. Uh, Gagne had, a, he had a, a slogan. It was game over. 
Like how many yes. how many guys have a slogan? And man, that was just that was his year. Every good every reliever needs some kind of slogan or nickname. Yeah, like every um, super reliever. And then uh, then the other guy, uh, being a Cleveland fan, was kind of like Andrew Miller, twenty sixteen. Like, and he wasn't even a closer. He was just a hey, you need you got the bases loaded, nobody out. Like I got this. He was Fireman like a, type, yeah. yeah, exactly. And like he was so valuable to the team in a way that like no other stats could really capture. And like I don't think he got serious Cy Young attention. He definitely he didn't win. Obviously, I don't think he finished top five or anything. He he got some votes, I believe. But like uh, those are the only two relievers that I can think of thinking this guy actually deserves a Cy Young award. Um, wait, was that the year Porcello won the Cy Young award? 2016, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, I think, wasn't he like 20 and 3 or something? Like that Cy Young, or the uh, the one loss record bump, yeah. 22 and 4. Yeah. Um, Three, one, a 3.15 ERA, which, um, yeah, I'm looking at the ballot. There wasn't anybody other than Miller and Zach Britton. None of the pitchers had a sub-3 ERA. Wow. So it was a pretty weak year in terms of starters that year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, Porcello obviously not, he, he got it because of that one loss record. There's no other reason to vote. Like you cover up the one loss record, he probably doesn't get any votes. So, you know, there's still some people that look Apparently at that. Apparently Jay Happ went 20 and four that year. I have no memory of this. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, like when I was a kid, like I remembered, like I memorized all the 20 game winners. I don't even look at one loss record anymore. I just don't care. Like it just doesn't mean anything. Like uh, I look at win loss record kind of the same way I do at RBIs. It mm. doesn't really tell you if a guy is good, but a sufficiently like weird number, and something's probably gone horribly right or horribly wrong. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like if I saw if some somebody had like 170 RBIs, like that does be impressive. Like even if like I, I know RBIs are like a function of your batting order position and how good you're you know, immediate, like, guys hitting ahead of you are at getting on base. Like, there's no more, there's not much more to it than that. But, like, if someone has a really high number or someone goes 22 and 4, you, you notice that. You just do. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think someday we'll have to tweak the pitcher win or just stop looking at it or something because it's, Although, like, while we're on the subject, the current, this year's current wins leader is Kyle Hendricks at fourteen and five with a four point zero four ERA. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I'm maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, point made. Okay, and then um, just for fun, uh, every year there's some poor schlub that gets traded from one league to the other, has a great year, but just doesn't get any side attention because he wasn't in either league long enough to to get any any votes really um so a couple guys uh so Kimbrel was traded from the what the Cubs of the White Sox so he's kind of like probably had the best shot uh, not that a reliever was likely to win this year but it would be him if anybody uh and so he will get no votes in either league is my guess um Kyle Gibson uh he was traded uh, uh from the from Texas to Philly Philly yeah and he's uh he's got a 318 ERA a lot of innings won't win, but, you know, definitely, like, like a very solid season. Then you got Rich Hill, who wasn't about to win, and then Tyler Anderson, Jay Happ coming up again. Uh, his ERA is over six, so I will not expect any votes for him. But, yeah, so maybe Kimbrell, and then, like, just uh, a mention to Kyle Gibson. But, yeah, no, nobody is seriously getting... There isn't, sc- like, a 2008 CC Sabathia. 
Right, yeah, or like a 98 Randy Johnson, or uh, I think Granky had a, a really good year that he was traded between the... That guy's been traded uh, mid-season a surprising number of times for how good he is. He's He's got a... Yeah. A, gr- Granky, like, uh, I think I would vote for him for the Hall of Fame personally. I'm not sure if I would bet on him getting in, but like when you look at his stats, it just like... It's so ugly because he's been traded so many times. Yeah, you like, have to like you have to click like the compress compressed teams yeah, button. Colla- collapse, uh, yeah, traded collapse seasons. rows. Yeah, and like of course that shouldn't matter, and it probably won't. But like, there's just something nice about a guy that's played for like one, two, maybe three teams. Yeah, just, one or two teams. Yeah, brand uh, loyalty. Yeah. It's a thing, uh, but I, I think and hope he will get in the Hall of Fame someday. Uh, we'll see, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised, and I would vote for him. Um, As would I. Yeah. All right, so sounds like our pick. Uh, I think we agree, NL. Uh, we would we would like if DeGrom would get in, us both being Mets fans to varying degrees, but it's probably uh, going to be Wheeler, or at least he's the guy right now. And I will never forgive the Mets for letting Wheeler walk. No, but uh, looks 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 rough this year. Um, and then AL looks like Lance Lynn, but it's there's five or six guys that have a shot, and and there's six weeks or so left in the season, plenty of time for someone to go on a run or someone to collapse. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, uh, Lynn seems the most likely to keep it up. Robbie Ray seems most likely to regress. Uh, Rodon seemed like he had crazy luck at first, but he's kept it up. Uh, uh, I, 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 I like the guy. We have the same birthday. He's from close to where, where I'm from. So like, I was kind of, well, yeah, I was kind of rooted for him cause we had, you know, very, very uh, unimportant things in common, but, uh, we'll see. And, uh, and then, Hey, how awesome would it be if Shohei won the MVP and the Cy Young award and won the MVP because he was so good at pitching. Yeah, that would be yeah. that would be a very interesting. So uh, one thing is nobody has ever won the Cy Young or sorry, no pitcher, no pitcher who won the MVP didn't right. also win the Cy. So Otani could like kind of do that this year. He could like win the MVP but not it's win the not, Cy. Right, it's not Yeah. Because of how weird and unique he is, he's not it's not the same thing, but it fits a, yeah. the letter of the rule, if not the spirit. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it th- sounds like our picks are Zach Wheeler and Lance Lynn, and it's theirs to lose. Yes. All right, we'll see. Okay. Anything could happen. There's six weeks to go. There will always be more baseball until there isn't. Yes. And we'll look out the window and wait for spring. And I believe that's all we've got for now. We'll be back in a little bit to wrap up this week's episode. <laughs> all the time we have for this week thank you so much for listening everyone next week we'll be looking at mvp races along with all the usual great baseball discussion and clever wit that you subscribe to this podcast for our baseball weekly is executive produced by lewis and edited by nine our production administrator is christine my name is maz and i hosted our intro along with nine lewis interviewed trent rosecrans about the reds and dejan martin hosted the cy young races segment Our theme music was composed by Chuck Lace. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.